Tailgate Talks. This is week 93. You are listening to episode 137. We've got another great episode for you guys this week. Back on our interviews of new schools coming to the Big 12 in 2023. Up this week, BYU. But before we get into that interview, make sure you are following us rating us and reviewing us follow the tailgate on apple and spotify rating us on both and reviewing us if you listen to us on apple also follow our social medias follow us at tailgate underscore talks on twitter if you want to follow our personal accounts follow dustin at dustin wimmer 22 and myself at calvin b barrett Uh, Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow our YouTube page where we post videos uh, from week to week, highlighting portions of each week's episode. This week we'll be posting the full-length interview that we have with BYU. Um, Also, email the tailgate if you got any questions, comments, or concerns. Shoot us an email at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. So with all of that being said, let's get into this week's tailgate. We're going to start this thing off right. All right, like we mentioned, we've got another guest interview lined up for you guys. We've been getting familiar with our future foes from the big uh, future Big 12 conference. We've had interviews with Houston interviews with UCF and now we get to welcome on Jake from the Locked On Cougars podcast, Locked On BYU Cougars podcast uh, joining us tonight. Jake, how you doing, man? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, BYU I think is one of the most entertaining teams joining the conference, right? Uh, so we're very excited to get to learn a little bit about BYU, kind of what you're thinking of things right now in this crazy college football world that we're living in. Uh, your perspective on some conference realignment, all that good stuff. But just to get us started with an easy one here, just kind of tell us about your podcast, Locked On Cougars, and uh, your affiliation with BYU and your uh, BYU fandom. So Locked On Cougars, it's a daily podcast covering all things BYU. I I work for a network called the Locked On Podcast Network doing it. I've been doing it for the better part of four years now, and it's a lot of fun. It it keeps me really busy, a a daily podcast. but Yeah, daily, yeah. (laughs) It's really fun because it it coincides with my day job. I'm lucky enough that I actually work in sports radio covering BYU, the Utah Jazz, the University of Utah out here in Salt Lake City. So uh, it it just kind of coincides with my day job, which is lucky enough. But the Daily Podcast, uh, I grew up literally in the shadows of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, which is the home turf for BYU football. Uh, I grew up going to games as a youngster with my grandpa and my dad. So I've been around the university my entire life. I actually attended there for for my college days and lucky enough still live in the community where I grew up, went to school, and now I get to cover them professionally. Well, that's awesome, man. So let's kind of run through a little history with BYU. Uh, between all sports, Texas Tech is 18-11 all-time against BYU, but we've only played one time in football, and that okay. was back in 1940. Oh, jeez. Uh, we, we played four <laughs> times in basketball. BYU holds the, the advantage over us with a 3-1 and one record. The last meeting there was in 1995. And uh, baseball, we've met you know quite a few times, eight uh, <laughs> for this uh, matchup is quite a few our last meeting in 2014 so that's one of the things we're really excited about this is a school we don't have a whole lot of history with so Dustin I'll kick it over to you so we can start to learn everything we need to know about BYU uh, I was just gonna say with regards to Texas Tech I actually think BYU fans are very intrigued by the Red Raiders I yeah. think because you said th- there's just not a huge history between these yeah. two universities there is history between the Cougars and Houston. There's some UCF mm-hmm. ties. Like the funny thing is, that Texas Tech is one of those universities. You're like, okay, well, when has BYU interacted with them? Not very often. Not much, so, yeah. uh, okay. So, what questions? I, I guess I'll kick it back to you guys. What do you, do you just want to kind of a general overview of BYU? What do you want? Yeah, let's go just a general overview of BYU. Tell us campus, stadium upgrades, little sports, and then we'll dive into. Football and basketball specifically, um, the conference move, all that good stuff. So, yeah, just kind of start us off in general. Okay. 
Well, so BYU is a university sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Most people know it as the Mormon Church or the LDS Church. Uh, so it has more than 32,000 students at any given time in the university. It's actually one of the largest private uh, universities in the entire country. Uh, it's based in Provo, Utah, at the foot of the Wasatch Mountains. We actually uh, sit at almost 4,500 feet elevation up here in Utah. So uh, a lot of teams, when they come in, they, they're like, wow, Not it's it, that elevation. <laughs> the air's a little bit thin up here. Yep. So it, that's, that's one thing that uh, most fans comment on. Uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium holds 63,000-plus fans when it's filled to capacity. Uh, it's got some of the more stunning views in terms of uh, backdrops for college football for anybody who's ever seen pictures of it. it it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and the, the, the thing about BYU as a university is it's it, – I don't know how to describe it. It, it. It's its own unique uh, place. A lot of people like to call uh, Provo unique, and, uh, and for lack of – and it really is. It's just kind of a – it's a unique place. The vast majority, 98, 99% of the student population are members of the predominant faith, the LDS faith right. around here. So it's a unique thing, but the one thing you need to know about BYU fans is they are crazy passionate about their Cougars and they have a following literally worldwide. We love to hear that. Yeah, so that just leads into our next question is just familiarize us with BYU fans uh, like you said, seems like they, you got a pretty passionate fan base. What are they like on Twitter? What are they like, you know, other forms of social media? Uh, what are they like at games? Just kind of familiarize us with that. So when we're going out to Provo for a future football game, we're kind of ready for it. <laughs> oh, uh, they're rabid. They're, that's the thing about it. They're all over Twitter. All you just all if you're on Twitter, you can just search BYU and you'll see just the 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 number of BYU fans that are out there. The crazy thing about BYU is just due to its affiliation with the LDS Church, the Mormon Church, they have uh, people who are, are at least familiar with the university and its sports teams literally worldwide. Uh, for an example, right. I have a guy who listens to my podcast uh, pretty often, if not daily. He actually lives on a sailboat in the Philippines. He is a member oh, wow. of the faith. Uh, he, he made his money and decided, you know what, I want to live on a sailboat, and he's, he cruises around the Philippines. He pings, uh, he gets off like cell towers, he'll download the show, uh, watch slash listen to it, and he interacts with me all the time. It, it kind of just shows you that there yeah. are BYU fans literally everywhere, and they are very active on social media, uh, for better or worse in many ways. Like, if, if, you, if you rile them up, they can come after you, but at the same time, if they see something they like, they are more than happy to rally to the cause. That's awesome. It feels like they're going to fit right in with all the other baseball yeah. fan bases. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And let me add one thing on that. BYU went independent just over a decade ago in 2011. Uh, right. That coincided with the University of Utah, their arch rivals, going to the Pac-12. And BYU, the, the reason they went independent is they had dreams of doing what they're doing now, is going into the Big 12. They want to be part of the quote-unquote big time. They want to be Power 5. Uh, BYU fans, that's the thing they have craved the most over the past decade of independence. They didn't mind independence, but they wanted it to end up where it's ended up. And that's the thing about this is BYU fans are super excited to be members of the Big 12. That leads right into where we were going with the Big 12 conference coming in there. And I was as I was doing like research on football team and all that, and I was like, yeah, when the last big realignment happened, you know, Utah went west. And you guys were like, we're just going to – the Mountain West kind of fluttered around. You guys said, hands up, we're going to go by ourselves for the next however long. Um, before we get into Big 12, tell me about that whole move. You said they were – is kind of yeah. iffy move in the – and how's it worked out now, now that we're done with it? Well, I think a lot of people had questions about the viability of BYU going independent because it hadn't been done in quite some time. Notre Dame is really the it's only the program yeah. out there that's – been independent for the, their yeah. entirety. They, they joined the ACC for the one year during the pandemic. But the thing yeah, is, right. it, it's a it, it's an interesting thing. BYU got a, a deal with ESPN, and if they had had they not gotten that deal to broadcast their games on ESPN's family of networks, it probably doesn't work out the way it worked out. But all things considered, independence was a success because the overarching goal of them going independent was to prove themselves worthy of getting into the Power Five. Yeah, it took 11 seasons gotcha. to get there, right. but they finally made it. And that's the biggest thing is BYU, their their bet on themselves paid off. That's awesome. So where do you stand on the recent conference realignment and now the new shakeup of conference realignment? You know, we thought we were just doing this Big 12 edition. No, no, no. Now the Pac-12 is crumbling. So 
I don't know where you even want to start. Just go in on it. <laughs> well, I, I thought the UCLA and USC thing was pretty monumental. Yeah. And obviously the Texas and Oklahoma right. deal last year was, was big news as well. And it, there are cre- clearly two lead conferences. Yes. The SEC and the Big Ten now are going to be the big dogs. The biggest thing I see, and I guess we can start here, is I think the Big 12 needs to be aggressive here. If there are any inklings for any of these other Pac-12 schools, or I guess what we call the Pac-10 now, the remaining 10 schools in that conference, if they have any inkling of leaving, a guy like Brett Yormark, the new commissioner for the Big 12, should be all over that and saying, hey, come join us. We're going to open our negotiations here very, very relatively quickly with our media rights partners. So that that's the thing about this, is you cannot afford to be passive. The Big 12 is in a good spot right now with the 12 members as currently constituted i guess the 14 until ou and ut decide to bounce but right. uh, the thing is you can strengthen yourself and i think make yourself clearly the number three conference if you are smart about this yeah i totally agree there so interested from your perspective because y'all aren't in the conference yet you know last year the big 12 goes through this like you said mm-hmm. we lose texas and oklahoma uh, we're thinking maybe this is the end of the big 12 we <laughs> add four new schools including you guys that you know i think makes our conference pretty strong you're adding four really good schools who are competitive uh cross sports uh just adds to the depth of the conference where are your views at as you're sitting here not yet in the big 12 conference do you think is there any possible regret like ah maybe we could have waited uh do you think y'all made the right decision coming into the big 12 when y'all did just kind of what what's running through y'all's minds up there in BYU right now as y'all have all this going on and you've already kind of locked in. Okay, let me be frank about this. The Pac-12 was the goal for many BYU fans for decades. That 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 was like that was that was the dream for BYU fans. The situation was though that the Pac-12 in their snobbery, is what I like to term it, was not about to let a a, yeah. a, a religious university and be a non-research institution, or at least not the AAU, the Association of American right. Universities. BYU doesn't have that designation. They're more focused on their undergraduate education versus research. So those two things, the Pac-12 just kind of uh, looked down their nose on BYU and essentially said, it, "Yeah, you can dream all you want, but you ain't you ain't doing this." So. I think when the Big 12 came calling, BYU's like, you know what? Yeah, the Pac-12 would have been nice because our recruiting base is more Western-based. Uh, California, outside of Utah, it seems to be BYU's heaviest uh, population center where they right. recruit from. But they just wanted to be part of a conference that values them and understands what they can bring, and that's what the Big 12 saw. I actually think there's uh, we've had enough people on my radio station, and on my radio show in particular recently, with the whole news about the Pac-12 saying that, how bad does the Pac-12 feel all of a sudden about this snobbery right. towards BYU? Yeah. So, the, for so I guess I'll, I'll sum it up with this: the Pac-12's loss, in a way, is the Big 12's gain. Yeah. Yeah. So, is there any specific schools you're hoping we add? Because we totally agree we should be aggressive. We should add four to six schools. And are you hoping Utah gets left out of that more specifically? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Personally, I want Utah okay. in. I, I do want Utah to be part of it. The, the, the one thing you need to know about the Utah-BYU rivalry is, is it is one of the biggest rivalries yeah. that people don't really pay attention to nationally. I want that, yeah. It's Auburn-Alabama uh, type stuff. It's Florida-Georgia type stuff. These fan bases, they're, the schools, uh, for, for reference point, they're 40 miles apart. You can drive to one of the schools in yeah. 40 minutes. Like they're, they're right there next to each other. They sit in two separate valleys uh, here in the mountains, and you they're just next door neighbors, literally, uh, with yeah. the fan bases. Uh, so, I would love Utah to be part of it. I think the four schools you need to target most: Colorado, Utah, and the Arizonas. You need yep. those four. Yeah. And if if Washington and Oregon want to hop in, great, yeah. go for it. They're big brands. <laughs> you branch out into the Pacific Northwest. It makes you a nice Western branch of the of the conference outside of BYU. But I think the four you need to target most of all are t- uh, are. Utah, Colorado, and in my in my heart of hearts, the two that I thought probably need to be on the top of the priority list are the Arizonas. I think the Arizonas probably should be the top two. Yeah, and from all things I've heard, it seems like they really want to come and be a part of the Big 12. It feels like they fit in pretty quickly with what the Big 12 is and where it's going. And really for them, I don't really see what sticking around in the Pac-12 does to benefit them. Uh, jumping into the Big 12 solidifies them in yeah. what would be the third best conference now. 
and then it pulls away from the Pac-12 and makes those other schools really, really have to figure out what they're going to do with their future. Um, so, uh, Dustin, you got anything you kind of want to add on the realignment front here? No, Jake, you're right on point with how we feel. We did a big kind of realignment <laughs> discussion last week, and like everyone. that's exactly how we feel. <laughs> Arizona, come on in. I, I want the Utah-BYU rivalry because – and now the conversation is like, well, who's going to be rivals with all these new schools? And it's like, well, we can just bring one in if we want. Yeah, and that's and the, the fun part is like, I know Colorado's down. We we all I think right. we all see Colorado, but Colorado's got the they were in the Big Twelve, so mm-hmm. it, they can it, come back. It, yeah, it's going back home for them. So it makes a lot of sense. It, it it makes it opens up that TV window even wider on the West Coast for you in terms of those late night windows. BYU was going to be that for the Big Twelve. You can add two, three, four, maybe even six schools that can help open that up and make a nice Western division over there for you. Go for it. I do have one thing I want to add on, and it's something that a lot of Big 12 fans and tech fans uh, are all realizing is the snobbery that you were talking about with the Pac-12 schools. And like Colorado and Utah feeling like they're too good for us. Uh, <laughs> like as a BYU fan that hates Utah, anything that you can just add on, uh, add on to that? Because it's been kind of wild seeing their fan base just pretend like they're way too good for the Big 12 when just a, 10 years ago, Utah was only in the Mountain West Conference, you know? It's the fan base. They just they, they feel like they have been up long enough that they've, they've kind of gotten high on the yeah. horse, I guess to say. The biggest thing is, let me also be clear about one thing. My best friend growing up, I grew up a BYU guy. My best friend growing up was a Utah guy. We, oh, we had some absolutely just epic <laughs> clashes going back and forth growing up. So it, it exists every day. I don't necessarily hate Utah because they're very valuable in my day-to-day work now that I'm right. covering them professionally. But Utah, Colorado, yeah, they do uh, in some ways put off this vibe like, well, you want us in the Big 12. What are you talking about? We'd be downgrading going, coming from the – shut up. Just stop. It, it, yeah. it, the, the biggest thing is – if it comes to it, you could guarantee that their chancellors, ADs, university presidents, administration, whatever, they will all be singing the praises of the Big 12 if it comes to it. That, that's the honest yeah. truth. Yeah, so moving into more specific sports coming into the Big 12, mm-hmm. what sports do you expect BYU to immediately be good, ready to go, and even compete for championships? And what do you think some sports are that might be lacking and struggle the first handful of years? Uh, so the the ones I think that will so we'll start with the ones I think will compete right away. Yeah, football. I think football absolutely yeah. will. They've they've won 21 games the past two years. There's a decent shot they could go 10 10 plus wins again this year if they stay healthy. So they could have 30 plus wins uh, as they move into the Big 12. I think they will compete right away. Women's soccer. They made it to the national championship match last year. They will compete right away. They've done it for for decades at this point in Provo. Women's volleyball will compete right away as well. They've been very good. They've been to the Elite Eight as well as the Final Four of the Women's Volleyball Tournament in the last five or six years. So they annually are a very good team. Uh, I think the women's basketball program should be decent. They just uh, changed coaches. Their longtime head coach retired, and they replaced him with uh, a former player. Uh, We'll see how they do. Now, on uh, the flip side – oh, also – I think the men's and women's golf programs can be pretty, actually pretty competitive. I know that they are a cold-weather school up here in Utah, but BYU right. does have national championships they have won in golf in their history. Okay. And they've actually got, they've got some guys that can compete. They've, they've got a really good team coming back this year. I think that will lead them to some success. Now, yeah. on the flip side, programs I think that are going to struggle out of the gate, first one, men's basketball. Uh, they are going into what I believe will be the best college basketball conference bar none. I know the Big East can say what they want to say, but when you got guys like you in Tech, you've got Kansas, you've got uh, Houston, you've got Baylor, just the litany, uh, Oklahoma State, can't just you can go down the list, and they are all competitive. Mark Pope is a gregarious personality. Anybody who talks to him absolutely loves the dude, and he understands the challenge he's got as he goes up against the Big 12 here. Uh, but honestly, if BYU finishes in the top half of the Big 12 in their first couple of seasons, count me as a guy who's absolutely stunned. I, I think that's going to be one that they're going to be hard-pressed to be as competitive as they may right. think they are going in. Uh, one other one I think that's going to take some time, uh, two of them that I think are going to take some time to get up to speed, are both softball and baseball. Uh, now, let me add this caveat. I am married to a former BYU softball player. She is not going to be happy that okay. I said that. 
but I, th I think in her heart of hearts, she understands it. Uh, with a cold weather school, it's harder to recruit athletes to play softball and baseball because in places like Lubbock, you can play right. baseball and softball year yeah. round. Yeah. Utah, yeah. you can't do that for six months of the year, it feels yeah. like. So, <laughs> Got to cancel games and stuff, right? Yeah. So, it's yeah. funny you say that. A few years ago, we played Maine in one of our first games, oh, and geez. their whole first month is on the road because oh, yeah. of that exact reason. True, true story. They play Alabama type schools and Southern, yeah. True story. My, my wife, uh, BYU softball, spends about the first month and a half to two months of their season playing tournaments in the Sun Belt. They go down to Mexico, yeah. they'll go to Arizona, yeah. they go to California. Uh, when her and I were dating, it was actually her senior year she was playing at BYU before we got married. I didn't see her for a good, I'd say, month stretch because she was just traveling so heavily. So yeah. it, those, so I'd say baseball, softball, and men's basketball are probably the three that I think are – they could be competitive down the road, but they're going to face some issues going immediately into the Big 12. Nice. Well, that sounds terrible for our women's programs from what you listed yeah. off because we're either <laughs> mediocre or not. So adding another one at the top is not great for us yeah. on the female side of the sports. But to follow up with BYU football, because we definitely agree, BYU football can come in and they're going to be able to hang. I mean, I just said before you got on, I was like, Brooks, I was doing research and looking through. They're way better football program historically than yeah. we are. They have a lot of 10-win seasons, and then they go regularly eight and nine wins. Like, right. Yeah. And, yeah, like you just said, the last two years, 11-1, and 10-3. Go dive in more about BYU football coming to the Big 12 next year. So the BYU history goes back, goes back 50 years. 1972, literally 50 years back, is the era that BYU fans really want to talk about. Before that, they were a nondescript program. They didn't do much. As you mentioned, 1940, they played Texas Tech and lost. They, they were not a winning program for the first 50 or so years of their existence. The funny thing is they actually uh, they played their first season of football officially in 1922. So this year, it, it's 100 years, but they didn't play during World War II, etc. So it's not 100 seasons quite yet. But the biggest thing is, is since Lavelle Edwards was hired in 1972 as the head coach of the BYU football program, since then they have had multiple uh, high-level quarterbacks, NFL right. MVP, yeah. Super Bowl winners. They have a Heisman Trophy in Ty Detmer. They got the national championship in 1984. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, who is the Texas head coach, actually led BYU to a 14-1 record as a senior in 1996 oh. as their quarterback. Uh, I don't know how many people know that down yeah. there, but he, he's a former BYU quarterback. Wow. Uh, so, so they've got a really rich history, and it even comes up to the modern day. As I mentioned, they went; they, they're twenty-one and four over the past two years. Uh, they got a pretty stout schedule this year. I, I, if they win ten games this year, it'll be another successful year. But you can't argue with thirty-one wins in three seasons as you get ready to go into the Big Twelve. They, they're they got a really, really rich tradition, and BYU fans, they are a football school. That That is the thing that makes things go around here. I know it's similar to, to Tech. Uh, by the way, uh, big ups to University to Texas Tech. The the announcement, that $200 million yeah. investment they're making, that is absolutely incredible. Those those The renderings they put out, If I, I'm just going to say this. As, as a Red Raider fan, a Tech fan, you should be excited. That looks absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, last night was pretty cool when that announcement was made and just seeing those renderings and where our seats are at the games are going to be like right next to that. So we're going to yeah. get a front row okay. view to just kind of seeing what that all looks like and that, you know, transformation. But yeah, having people who want to put a lot of money into your university and to help your athletics program is pretty cool. Uh, I want to stay here on on football. Uh, mm -hmm. Y'all's coach, um, I, he hasn't coached at the Power 5 level, correct? He. Kalani has never been a head coach at the Power 5 level. He actually right. was the defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach at the University of Utah when they went through their Power 5 transition. So he's been on a staff right. that has gone through what they're going to go through in the next couple of years for BYU. So that will help in that regard. But Kalani, yes, this is his first head coaching position. He's a, a BYU guy. He played for Lavelle Edwards in the mm -hmm. late 90s slash early 2000s. He was a kid who grew up dreaming of uh, playing for BYU. He was a huge fan, and he will he will tell you straight to your face, I am living my dream coaching the school I always dreamed of coaching. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So do you think this would be any struggle for him, kind of going up a level and, you know, what it takes? I, I know y'all are independent, so y'all got yeah. a pretty, you know, stacked schedule from the get-go, but, you know, that week-to-week -week conference battles once again where – you know, the Big 12 adding those four schools, it just means that there's, 
you know, there's like 11 pretty dang good football schools, and then there's Kansas. <laughs> sure, yeah, and I, I'm actually not convinced that Lance Leipold's not going to pull off a miracle once again. He's a, yeah, he's actually a, the first good football coach that they've hired in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a hot minute. But uh, on that front, I think that BYU is trying to do their, their best to be ready for the transition in football. They've hired actually a number of staffers this year. I think they added, what was it, six or seven in the last month that they, they just added to their football staff. They gave Kalani Satake what they termed an unprecedented contract, gave all of his assistant coaches, who, by the way, his assistant pool right now has not changed in three years. He's got That's the same incredible. assistants yeah. underneath him. He's one, they're one of, I think, six programs that not, has not had a change in the last two years across the entire spectrum of Division One football. So he's got some great continuity. The, the, the week-to-week grind of the Power Five is absolutely going to take a toll on BYU. They understand that, uh, and they're trying to get themselves ready for it. They've, they're going to face, I think, four or five uh, preseason top 25 teams on this year's schedule. Sure, that's a good schedule, but it's not the, the week-in and week-out grind that the, the Big 12 will be for them. So you can prepare as much as you want to, but until you experience it every single week, you truly, I don't think, can be ready for it. So basketball, you said, going to struggle a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What what makes you certain, so nervous about the Big 12 Basketball Conference? Uh, the biggest thing for me is just the overall depth and talent base that the, the Big 12 boasts. We're talking about Baylor's got a national championship. Tech has been to the Final Four, I don't know how many times in the last little bit. Yeah. It's, that's the thing. BYU, oh, by the way, this is a fun fact about BYU basketball. They're the program, the, they've been to the most NCAA tournaments in NCAA tournament history without actually making the Final Four. It's something like oh, 30 wow. or 31 trips in their program history without actually making making it to the Final Four. The, the furthest they've made is the Elite Eight. So they've got a good tradition in basketball. They've been a pretty good program in the West coast conference playing second fiddle to Gonzaga. Most of that time, actually right. the entire time they've been in the conference. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest thing is though, similar to football, the West coast conference outside of Gonzaga and St. Mary's, no, it's no. not, it's not fantastic. The, the thing about this, you, you mentioned the fact that big 12 football, yeah, Kansas, they're a doormat right now. The, the big 12 basketball though nope. Ooh, yeah. I, <laughs> good luck yeah. it's just the, the 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 grind that you have to go through to win this conference and be competitive i just don't know that byu's quite up to snuff quite yet but i also believe that if mark pope is given the requisite time i think he can get them ready yeah you said earlier a couple questions ago like if we can finish top half of this conference and i'm like yeah that's what we all hope for honestly <laughs> Because if you yeah, finish top half, you're in the tournament, and uh-huh. they think you're going to be a you're probably a four or five seed. Like honestly, like top yeah. half of this conference is really good. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing about it. You can you can make the NCAA tournament with a losing yeah. conference record. Yeah, that, yeah. that's the, that's the wild thing about this. BYU has had to in the West Coast Conference. They've had to have like a twenty-seven and four record, and they can't have more than like a, two losses to Gonzaga and West Coast yeah. Conference play if they want to make the tournament. It yeah. changes now as you go into this to this Big 12. So, yeah, the top half of the conference should be the goal initially for BYU. I, I think winning it's a ways off. But just go in there and be competitive. Don't be the Kansas of Big 12 basketball. Right. Granted, I think that's going to be UCF, but that's just me. Hey, they thought that too when we had them on. They were just like, yeah, we're going to get destroyed when we start playing basketball against you guys. And I think that's what's going to take all the new fan bases kind of, you know, catch all off guard is – that Saturday game against Kansas, and then you turn around, and then you're at Baylor, and then you got a home game versus Texas Tech, and then you're back on the road at Iowa State, and there's just no nights off in the Big 12. You play one bad game, and you're looking at a 20-point blowout loss, and so uh, it's definitely something that uh, you sweat a lot, and you lose a a lot of hair. Uh, I lose a lot of hair during the basketball seasons. (laughs) Uh, So uh, to kind of move it on, two more Big 12-centric questions here. Uh, from your perspective, new Big 12 teams, you know, you've got eight of us. You've got, of course, the uh, other three schools joining you. What are some of the Big 12 teams that you're most excited to play? Uh, you know, football, basketball, it can be, you know, whatever sport. And then some of the teams that you're, you know, kind of could care less about, really. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Texas and Oklahoma just simply due to the fact that BYU oh, yeah. has, has, has had some decent matchups. And actually, BYU has a winning record against both of them in their history yeah, in, there you go. in football, funny good. enough. Yeah. They're 3-1 and one versus the Longhorns. Taysom Hill absolutely torched in the last yes, two times. Yes, that's, that's why 
that's why Taysom Hill will always be a legend, I think, to a lot of Big 12 fan bases is yes. because those are supposed to be like good Texas years, and then Taysom uh -huh. Hill went in there and just destroyed them. Yeah, and that, so that's the thing. And Oklahoma, uh, they beat them in 08, uh, knocked Sam Bradford out of that game, uh, as many people oh, yeah, might recall. But uh, so they've got the, that history, and I think that they just want a, a crack or two at both of those programs. The ones that I look forward to, I'm excited to see uh, what I'm calling the original eight. I, I know that's probably a weird term, but the, the eight right. schools that are remaining. I just want to experience. I want to go to Lubbock. I want to go to Manhattan, Kansas. I want to go to Lawrence. I want to go to Stillwater. Uh, Morgantown, Ames. I, I just want to experience what the Big 12. I've seen plenty of Big 12 football. I'm a college football fan at heart. That's my yeah. favorite sport in the entire world. I watch a lot of college football. It makes my wife very angry how much I watch on a weekly basis when it comes to the actual football season. But I am excited to experience just what the Big 12 has to offer and travel around and see all that. Uh, the other thing with the three new schools, BYU actually has a pretty recent history. They've played Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF all right. during their independent era. So they have some familiarity with those new schools. Uh, BYU fans, uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints love Disney World. So going to UCF and Orlando will obviously be, be a draw. <laughs> so... That's the fun part. But I just I'm excited to be part of the Big 12 just to see because yeah. I've seen I've seen Lubbock. I've seen a tech. I've seen them play. I just right. want to go see it in person. That's the thing. Yeah, we'll wait for like two more years when our new football in right. zone is okay. finished to come see that. But okay. yeah, you're working from basketball as soon as you want to because we'll pack 15,000 in to welcome you uh, very loudly. <laughs> uh, but no, we'll pump you happy for all of them. Are there any teams you specifically could see rivalries grow from all this? Uh, I think TCU could be one because they have some shared history from their Mountain right. West and Black days. It's, it's been a hot minute since they've played. That one could exist a little bit. I think the Baylor thing, after yeah. Baylor punked yeah. them last year, and we'll see what happens in the rematch this year in Provo, that could butt into something because both of them are private mm -hmm. uh, religious institutions. So that would be an interesting one. I actually think the UCF-BYU thing could be a fun one because really? BYU fans will travel in droves to Orlando. Yeah, I know that cool. they're on like the opposite ends of the conference, but I think that one could exist uh, as a fun little uh, deal. And the, the Cougs versus the Cougs with Houston, that's, that's just kind of a fun yeah. alliteration. So I guess those ones would be some fun ones. I actually think that I, I am intrigued, though. I, I could see just we could see Texas Tech and BYU say they have some grudge match game. That's what rivalries come out of. So there are going to be rivalries that pop up between BYU and X University in the Big 12. And it's just going to naturally happen. But those, are, I guess, are the ones I'm looking to maybe see happen already. Yeah, I mean, right now we're the two furthest schools west, so yeah. there's that possibility there. And really, as Tech fans, we always feel like our back's against the wall against every fan base. So, like, <laughs> okay. honestly, every school in the Big 12 is a rival to me. <laughs> so as soon as y'all come in, you know, the friendly rivalry begins. <laughs> well, and that, that's the thing about just being in a conference is you, right. you, you're constantly scoreboard watching and kind of monitoring who's going up and who's going down, who beat who, et cetera. That's one thing BYU has not had for over a decade. And I think there's a lot of BYU fans who are excited to actually be be part of a conference, be part of these uh, these races towards conference championships. That yeah. that's the fun part of it is you get a you get some familiarity with these with your fellow schools in your conference. That's something that BYU's missed out on for the last eleven seasons. Yeah, so something that just kind of popped in my head. How have you been watching like the remaining eight Big Twelve schools and the the new schools coming in this last season with like Cincinnati doing well and this coming season? How are you watching that? Are you uh, like kind of getting excited about seeing these other schools success um like what's your perspective on that yeah i i, I think success is the, you want to see success you you want to have these programs do well because it just it bolsters the entire conference like cincinnati making the college football playoff yeah. last year that's phenomenal ucf i think gus malzahn is a decent coach we'll see how they they continue to build down there in orlando uh with houston coming in dana holgerson is just a wild card of yeah. wild cards yep. and so wild. yeah and he's wild just period yes you're right so that's gonna be the fun part i just the the the, the overall success of the conference is good for everybody so if you can have Kansas get off the deck and knock people off here and there as they continue to build things up under Lance Leipold. That's great. I think a, a program like Tech, for example, with Joey McGuire, I actually think the staff that Joey has brought yeah. in is absolutely phenomenal. They may not have it going this very first year, mm -hmm. but he seems like a guy who understands about program building and he's trying to do it the right way. So 
I think tech is going to be on an upward trajectory pretty good, pretty quick here. That's just my personal observation. And I think just if you have competitive programs that are going after one yep. another and you have one or two every so often that essentially transcend it all, go 11-1, and one, go 12-0, and 0, that type of stuff, you need that. But if you want the overall talent base and the competitive level, you want it to be very high. Yeah, we agree, and yeah, we're big fans of Joey McGuire. We we think that he's got things hopefully looking <laughs> upward for us. It's been a while here in the pit of despair of college football. We would like sure. to be back in some sort of relevancy, but so we are tailgate talks. Uh, mm -hmm. We do like uh, you know the tailgating experience, and so this is one you know a school that we're really curious about. What is the tailgate scene like at uh, for a BYU you know home football game? Are there any? you know, good food that you have to try, any unique traditions, okay. stuff like that. What's a typical tailgate for a game day like? Okay, so BYU's history with tailgating is not, it right. hasn't been great. Let's just be, let's be frank. Uh, the, the LDS religion uh, asks people to not drink alcohol, and yeah. obviously that lends itself right. to a lack of tailgating culture. But when I was in school at BYU going back over a decade ago, I'm par I was part of a crew. We call ourselves the BYU Tailgate Crew, and we started a, a little bit of a movement. Our, our goal was to build a tailgating culture for BYU. Right. They actually uh, have created – they have a tailgate lot, a specific tailgate lot nice. for fans nice. of both fan bases. If they want to come in and tailgate, you can do that. So uh, you can do that. Uh, the, the fun part is is BYU fans, they are loyal to their team, but they're also very giving. Uh, opposing fans, when you come here to Provo – BYU fans are going to give you a hot dog, give you a burger. They'll, they'll, nice. they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll say, hey, thanks for coming. Hope your team loses, but have a great time regardless. Thanks for coming to Provo. Now, in terms of things you need to try when you come to Provo, I know this might sound blasphemous, but BYU has a restaurant just up the road from it called Bam Bam's Barbecue. Bam Bam himself, that's his nickname. I his name's Cameron name. Treyu. I know. Bam Bam, he's a stud. He has won multiple awards in, in barbecue competitions. He actually trained in Texas. He does okay. the best brisket outside of Texas that I have had, and I've had right. plenty of it in Texas. The dude knows what he's doing. It's a five-minute drive from BYU to try that. So you, if you're coming, if you're, a, if you're a tech fan, you need to go try Bam Bam's. Now, at the actual games for BYU, you need to try what they call a cougar tail. Now, let me explain what a cougar tail is. It's a two-and-a-half-foot-long maple donut. Yes, two-and-a-half feet. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it is gigantic. If you like maple bars, it is the holy grail of maple bars. It is absolutely phenomenal. They actually do a chocolate version as well, if, if, that's, if that's what you prefer. Uh, I would encourage you to maybe get two or three of your friends to finish it because finishing one of them, you may yeah. end up with, with diabetes <laughs> at the end of it. But, hey, exactly. <laughs> So the tailgating culture is actually uh, growing, and it's actually fairly robust at this point, a decade in at this point. Uh, I, there's a lot of BYU fans that are dedicated to the tailgating life. They've done a lot of – they've gone on the road and tailgated. I actually had a conversation with one of the guys who was one of the more dedicated tailgaters. His name is Big Uncle Pooh on Twitter, by the way. Big Uncle uh, it's, it's legitimately his Twitter handle. Great his name, name is Adrian. <laughs> follow him. I'm telling you, tech fans, follow Big Uncle Pooh. He is like the grand poobah of tailgating at BYU. He will hook you up. We had a conversation. He actually wants to have an off-season tailgate. He just wants to get together, yeah. pull out the, the grill, and have some have some fun times ahead of the season. So we're working on that. So the tailgating culture is not maybe what it is at other Big 12 institutions, but they do have a dedicated tailgate lot. They have a lot of BYU fans who have bought into it, and it is continuing to grow at a pretty exponential rate. Yeah, I think, Dustin, that was your point. When, before we had all our guests on and learned about you guys, we kind of went through and broke down what we thought about each school and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. Dustin had BYU at the top of his tailgate spot because he just thought it'd be a unique experience compared it to is. kind of what other schools are, which might be a typical tailgate. Well, here's the thing. Uh, BYU has been the most stone-cold sober school for right. 14 or 15 years straight. They just The student body, by and large, does not imbibe. Uh, and the funny thing about this, I've, I've had multiple opposing fan bases come here. I've talked to fans who say that, okay, if these people are, are this crazy sober, <laughs> right. I don't even want to uh, experience what they might be liquored up. So th they, they are loyal. They love their cougars. They're loud. They're rowdy. But they all do it by and large. There are, trust me, some of my, I have actually, I have, I've got two really good friends I can think of off the top of my head who like to imbibe. They're diehard cougar fans. They, they drink. There are some out there. Let me, let, I know that sounds right. like a, a thing that doesn't exist, but they are out there. But the vast majority of BYU fans, yeah, they don't partake, but they still love their team, and they are going to have a good time regardless. So the vast majority of our fan base does. 
Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. I'm aware of that. And that's the thing. BYU fans, they're, they're used to it. The, the yeah. biggest thing, BYU's bever- beverage of choice, just in my experience, it's Diet Coke. They, they, that's the substitute for alcohol at BYU. Yeah. But it sounds like, see, tech fans, we can have a good time with or without the alcohol. So it sure. seems like we could mesh pretty well with you guys up there oh, yeah. and still have a hell of a time. Yeah, and it, 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 it'll be fun. BYU fans, they love nothing more than welcoming and opposing fan bases. The, the, the crazy thing that most people say when they get here is how close the mountains literally are. From my right. house where I am sitting right now, guys, I can be up on a mountain in 10 minutes. That is how close yeah. I am to the mountains here. And you you come out here to Provo, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, you feel like the mountain's right on top of you because it's it's a five-minute drive from the, from the stadium. It, it's right there for you. It's going to be a shock when y'all come to Lubbock for the first time and there's not a hill in sight. (laughs) I've been to Austin. I've been to Houston. I've been to Dallas. I've driven through Amarillo. uh, So I've I've never made it to Lubbock yet. But, yeah, Texas is quite flat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I got Big Uncle Pooh followed on on Twitter for your recommendation there. Good. Uh, I'm going to kind of hand it over to you if you have any questions for us about Texas Tech, whether it be in general – Football, basketball, uh-huh. um, tailgating, I don't know, Big 12 stuff, anything, whatever you got, Jake. Okay, so I'm familiar with Utah State, obviously, and uh, Matt Wells was the head yeah. coach of Utah State before going to Texas Tech. And I – let me let me say this up front. I thought he was going to do better at Tech than he did. It, it, yeah. just, it just didn't work. He didn't mesh well, it felt like, down there, et cetera. So – can you help me understand what you feel like where things pivoted for Matt Wells in Lubbock? Yeah, there's a couple different avenues. I mean, I think one right off the gate when he was hired, there were some big money donors that wanted it to go a different direction. And partly where that came from is Matt Wells was not a Texas guy and didn't really have ties to Texas, whether that be coaching or recruiting wise. Whereas this time around we went the total opposite and got Joey McGuire, who is, all and everything Texas and it's hired that way yep. <laughs> and recruited that way. And so that was always, well, he's a high school coach in Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. Big time. One state championships and everything. And so that's kind of where it, it started to fray from the beginning, you know, and yeah. he, he wasn't even a flashy name or hire either to get any oh. fan base kind of going. Whereas Cliff, when we hired him, that was a flashy, obviously great looking dude, former quarterback, and we went total opposite this t- like so it was kind of just never going to happen and then like roster wise he was he wasn't given much from left by cliff um so he tried to substitute that with a bunch of juco fill-ins which he was really good at trying to fill in the holes of the roster i think um and i think he left the roster better than what it was but he had such a hard time trying to fill that roster from the beginning it just it was it was trying to run on a slippery slope for him roster wise Okay. Yeah, Fair and enough. he never really, never really recruited high school very well, so you weren't getting young guys, uh, good classes, yeah. and, and being able to build them up. And then he had some shitty injury luck. Like, our quarterbacks were hurt every single year. Um, last year we were playing on our third-string quarterback, and so uh, I don't okay. think he had, you know, he didn't have the best of luck with injuries either, but, you know, for whatever reason, it just, just didn't work out. Okay, so on the football side of things, I got another question for you. How quickly do you think Joey McGuire can get Tech to being bowl eligible? Man, I think as soon as this year we can get there. Now, I, I think like six and six would be exciting for us as a fan base. It's it's not necessarily about automatically being eight and four or something like that. It's sure. just about being competitive in games, showing up week to week, and proving that you belong on the same field with some of these teams that have, you know, blown you out in recent years. So I think like putting together a team that competes week in, week out is exciting to us. And then, uh, you know, I think like Dustin kind of pointed out to Wells left us some good players. Like we have some good talent on this team. We have a really good quarterback room that he's the reason that they're there. And so mm-hmm. now you kind of add in, you know, Zach Kitley, who, you know, transformed Western Kentucky in one year. You're hoping mm-hmm. that your offense takes a, a step forward. And then you're hoping that your defense, which brings back a really deep secondary, uh, and then you've plugged in some pieces on the defensive line, offensive line, you're hoping all of that takes and that you're able to, you know, get yourself six wins, you know, seven would be great, and then get yourself the bowl eligibility. But I think by year two, if this year goes how we're expecting, I think by year two that we're expecting ourselves to be a winning football team year in, year out. Yeah, and that's more where I was going to go because, like, 
next year our schedule is really tough. I mean, we scheduled NC State a handful of years ago, and now it's like, wait, they're a, what? Yeah. Where are they? What is this? So it's like we're, Dave Doran, yeah, not a good team though. We're gonna yeah. have a really hard time just kind of, but I think he's a such a fire guy. He's not gonna take no for an answer and like excuses, mm-hmm. and give it another year. I think by in like really like next year, like twenty three, and start letting these recruiting classes start to build up that he's starting to build. And it's gonna it's gonna take off and be solidified for a little while, I think. Okay, uh, so I've got two more questions for you. Yeah. One athletics related, the other one's kind of off the field stuff. Basketball wise, uh, obviously they they've built this program into what it is. You you lost um, you lost your coach to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Is Tech is it gonna fall off at some point? Do you feel like, or are they built for the long haul? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we're built for the long haul in this um we've got you know donors who are motivated to keep this basketball program good uh, good up there uh you we've got a coach in mark adams who loves lubbock who's from brownfield which is about 30 minutes out uh outside of it you know i i actually went to high school with his daughter like so he loves lubbock he wants to be here uh he's a defensive guru and, you know, we're recruiting well still. You know, we lost some players last year, some key players for us in McCullough and TJ Shannon, but we replaced it with top transfers. We're starting to get younger players who are committing to us, a couple top 100 recruits. And so I think this is something that's here to stay. You're going to get players who want to come in, work on their defense, but also I think this year we focused on let's get some more offense in here and let's get guys who can create and create on offense. And so – uh, the success of the former coach, who we do not really try to name on here, definitely <laughs> set us up. But I think Mark Adams has came in and the energy of this program, and really a lot of it's built off the animosity for the previous coach, uh, really did propel us and helped us, I think, have a really great year last year, but prove that we can still be successful without him. And that's translated into a lot of really good recruits, a lot of really good transfers, and I think you're just going to continue to see us be really competitive and at the top of, you know, like we've said, the toughest conference in basketball. Yeah, I totally agree. And the fan base is behind that. Like I mentioned, we pack in 14,000, 15,000 in our, our arena very loudly. But it's almost like our coach, Mark Adams, has this, like, mythical cloud above him that his right. defense is, like, another level. And it's like players just want to come learn how to do that. And it's like – we get great offensive transfers that want to learn this defense because that'll make them a better NBA player. And yeah, now our recruiting is doing the same thing. So it's kind of, it's like this just aura cloud of like the Mark Adams defense and it's just growing and growing. And he's such a smart guy and likes his, he likes his assistant coaches too. And they're a very smart group. And it's pretty, pretty awesome to see how well he flipped that around in one year. Let me let me. Can I add one tidbit yeah. on the basketball front for you yeah. guys? I forgot about this. Fardaz Amac, mm-hmm. uh, big yeah. man coming in from Utah Valley Loved University. Tech fans are gonna love him. Dude can ball. Wait. Yeah, he is. He he is a fantastic player. Can shoot the three at a decent clip. He's a rebounding freak. He's just a machine on the interior. I let me just say, Tech fans, you're gonna love the kid. He's got a phenomenal backstory. He loves he and he loves the dirty work he loves to yeah. work that's the so let me just add that for you guys on the basketball front hey. tech fans gonna love him yeah yeah he was our our big get you know and the transfer portal the big maple what they call yeah. him and so big, big maple yeah we're all I in. actually they actually did like a i mean i don't even know if i have it in my office my office here but we, so when they were they were kind of like making a push for him for postseason awards from uvu they actually sent us glass bottles of maple syrup like oh, in a in a maple leaf and it has big maple a picture nice. of him and big maple on that's it that's awesome so it's one of the, it's one of those cool things out there all right uh last thing for me on, on the tech front i got for you guys can you it's a kind of a two-parter uh, similar to what you asked me about byu and provo and whatnot so i want to know the best place to eat in in Lubbock, best place to eat in Lubbock, and what is like the can't miss thing at a Texas Tech football game? Dustin, you want to take this one first? Yeah, uh, you're gonna ask questions if you come to a Tech football game and see tortillas being thrown on the field at the initial yeah. kickoff. Um, as we have a black horse and rider lead the team out onto the field, it's one of the most like glorious entrances in all of college football. I, we always grant that it doesn't get enough shine. Um, so it really is pretty yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, the tortillas, honestly, we don't even know where it started from. 
but it goes in <laughs> it goes in waves like every two years it'll kind of pop up and then in a couple years there's only a few and it comes back i would expect with joey mcguire there's going to be a lot more um mm-hmm. st- students just sneak them in their clothes as they come in and then they just start flying uh, <laughs> and Honestly, like, yeah, you're like, that's it? And I'm like, yeah, the tortillas in an amazing hey. horse entrance. <laughs> yep. that, hey, that, that works. So okay, so, Dustin, for you, where's the best place? Like, if a BYU fan goes to Lubbock, where should they eat? I'm going to direct them near campus. Um, I'm not going to send you to the bar scene because I know that, you know, it's not going to hit very well for your, y'all's demographic. Right. I'm going to send you right down the road <laughs> to this little burger place called Spanky's. Amazing burgers and sandwiches, but their fried cheese is about six inches by like an inch and a half. Like they're massive, and they are delicious. They're the best. Um, but they come in about a pack of six, so you're gonna need at least two or three people, maybe more, <laughs> maybe six, one for everybody. Um, don't try to do this on your own; that you'll probably have a bad time. But if you have a whole handful, a little family, go for it. Spanky's a great burger joint. Get the fried cheese; you'll have a great time there. Awesome. Yeah, Dustin kind of stole my restaurant there. I was going to mention Spanky's, and the best part about it, it's like right by the stadium. So you can go, you know, get your burger, get your fried cheese, don't overdo it, and then walk over, and you'll get to see, you know, the practice facility and, you know, at that time, the renovations and all that stuff going on, and then walk right into the game from there. Uh, Some other, a newer place in Lubbock that's pretty good is called Dirk's. Uh, Dirk's, it does uh, chicken fingers and uh, steak fingers that are really, really good. But the cool part about it is there's this old artist, Dirk West, who the restaurant's named after. And he used to do a bunch of cartoon drawings of our mascot, Raider Red, and also Big 12 mascots and stuff. And they have all of his drawings on the wall. And so it's a pretty cool look back into some Big 12 history, some Texas Tech history through his art. But also the food's pretty food's good amazing. there, so I would recommend. So I would recommend that it's also you know not too far from the stadium either. So yeah. and there's some really nice hotel, uh, a new nice hotel over there, so you can stay at that Cotton Court. Go over to Dirks, go over to the game, mm-hmm. have a good time. And then I guess my my part would be outside the stadium. Art, as we talked about tailgating, you, you know you don't have to drink to have a good time at a Tuck tailgate. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of tailgates. There's a lot of good stuff, fun stuff going on throughout there. And kind of like y'all's fan base, it sounds like we really want to impress on people that Lubbock is an awesome place to be and have a great time. So people are super friendly and they're going to, like you said, offer you hot dog, offer you, you know, cold water if you need it or or whatever food that they're cooking. And there's always fun, lots of food, lots of barbecue, lots of really cool places to walk by, lots of friendly fans. And so that's kind of one of the things I'll point out is just kind of walk around outside the stadium and see those tailgates and just kind of see what all the people are cooking up and having a good time. They'll probably stop you, talk to you, want to hear your story, and you're going to end up having a great time in Lubbock. So that's just kind of – that's what I'll, I'll throw out there. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, I think BYU fans are excited to experience Lubbock. Like West Texas, we know you guys are a little bit of an outpost out there in the western part of th- that state. But right. that's the fun part about this. This is, this is a whole new world for BYU, and I think BYU fans are really excited about it. Yeah, I think it goes for the same for us. You know, we're used to the fan bases that are staying here. So I know the first time BYU comes to Lubbock, it's going to be an exciting time for me as somebody who's born in Lubbock, who's never seen BYU come into town. It's going to be exciting. And so I think the fan base will be very energetic for that game and we'll treat, you know, y'all's fans pretty well. So looking forward to all that. Thank you for coming on and teaching us everything we need to know about BYU. And real quick, we'll just give you a chance here to shout out your podcast, shout out where to follow you. Uh, sounds like you're a busy man covering all sorts of things. So uh, let the people know uh, that they got a BYU fan that they can follow here, where to follow you at. Yes, you can just search out Locked on Cougars wherever you get your podcast. We're also on YouTube, similar to what you guys do. We do a video version of it, just Locked on Cougars on whatever podcast provider you happen to use. We, uh, the, we do have a Facebook, Instagram, and a Twitter feed for the show. It's all Locked on Cougars, really simple to find there. And then my personal Twitter feed, I weigh in on all things sports, college football, the Utah Jazz, Utes, Cougars, all of that. You can follow me. It's my full name, Jacob C. as in Cat Hatch. So Jacob C. Hatch. Love to hear from you guys, and I, like I said, I am I am super pumped for the Big 12 and BYU. We are as well, but thanks, Jake, for taking the time out of your Tuesday night to hop on to the tailgate and teach us everything we need to know about BYU joining the Big 12 Conference in 
2023. We're looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Happy to do it. Let me know. Well, Dustin, we have some other exciting news about Texas Tech football uh, to discuss today after that uh, interview with BYU Locked On. BYU, make sure you go give them a follow if you want to keep up with other all things BYU. Uh, yesterday, it was announced that Texas Tech is a $200 million project uh, will be used to construct a new south end zone and the new Womble Football Center at Jones AT&T Stadium. $200 million investment, uh, significant investment in the football program. It's going to change the complete south end of the end zone. Looks like the double T is going to be staying, much to uh, fans' appreciation for that. Uh, it will be the largest continuous football facility in the country. It's going to be one of the nicest football facilities in the country once it's complete. It ups your game with the rest of college football from a facility standpoint. So, Dustin, uh, what did you think last night when that news broke uh, about the new facility coming to the Jones? Wow, what what an upgrade. Like, we you started seeing the pictures come out, getting lethal early, and then that yeah. announced $200 million was the number. Like, thank God for Cody Campbell being a Tech alum and football yeah, player. Yeah, and Dustin Womble. Like, he is not holding back for us. <clears throat> and nope. it's amazing, yeah, they're going to renovate the whole south end zone. It looks like some different club and suites over there and a, a new like entrance for the whole football team can be a little bigger i'm sure and get rid of those old offices over there they're gonna get rid of the almost 50 year old scoreboard i think it's like 45 years old and then get us a brand new double t scoreboard that kirby said might even be a little bigger and I mean, right. why would you not bigger is better <laughs> two video boards on the side <clears throat> It looks amazing. And then, yeah, the football facility, they get an upgrade too. Coaches' offices and locker rooms, all that stuff. Cause that stuff hadn't been updated. And, I mean, it's not that bad, but right. it needs an upgrade. I mean, you've seen everybody else's football locker rooms around the country. And I know we just got the practice facility, but they didn't get any locker room help with that project. So that would be cool to have the upgraded locker room for those guys as well. And some coaches and then – Whoever wants to sit over there, and it also looks freaking sweet, too. Yeah, uh, great to get in on the season tickets where we sit now, Dustin, which will be right next to that in the future, hopefully. Right hopefully. Uh, it's the best spot yeah. to be. <laughs> and so uh, it's just nice, and it's what you got to do to remain competitive in college football nowadays. Is like you've got to have facilities that yeah. compete with the top programs. And uh, we tweeted it out last night, but it's – you know, Texas Tech is not going to fall behind as long as you have the likes of Cody Campbell's, uh, Dustin Wombles, who are out here yes. making sure that Texas Tech has top-of-the-line facilities uh, for these programs and that are willing to donate this amount of money to uh, – and sure, maybe not all $200 million of it were them. There, I think there was some significant donations from other people and the uh, Matador Club and all this other stuff that, that is going yeah. on. So it's not just full-on one – person doing this but it's nice to have people that are willing to put in that kind of money to help you remain at the top get yourself uh set up for whatever this crazy future of college football is and so i think that's really what this facility does uh it, it it's going to enhance this football program it's going to make players want to come play here it's going to make coaches want to come coach here so it just across the board is something that's awesome for the staff the players and the fans yeah, and they're going to start it at the end of this year, so November 22, and have it ready, hopefully, by the start of the 24 season. So it'll also be kind of be yeah. cool. Like, I mean, they're going to have that sucker probably, I don't know, maybe some of that will be knocked out by next year. I don't know how their timeline yeah. is looking. Maybe they do locker rooms first and then leave the South for the next season, and then as soon as next season's over, just do that half of it, I guess – how it makes sense now that I speak it out loud. Uh, you don't want to be without some seats for students in the band for next year. Um, right. The only the only downside I see about this, we could have had this maybe three or four years ago if we didn't kind of piss off Cody Campbell. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
But I'm glad things got mended up and he's back in our corner and going to boost us up even more. Yeah, he's going to make want to make sure everything looks good around the Cody Campbell field, oh, yeah. you know. So uh, we want that <laughs> to be uh, perfect and pristine. And really, that's the one part that hasn't gotten any updates. You know, we have the whole, right. you know, the east west side of the stadiums have been renovated the north side has been renovated with the new with the new uh, screen and everything over there that was just a couple years old so really this is the one part that hasn't been touched at all and so it's long overdue for that well and even outside of that south end zone like that walkway and i mean the front of the locker room facility looks great i'm sure the inside is not as updated as it will be obviously, but like even that whole walkway section and the student entrance, that'll get renovated. Maybe even our right. entrance, who knows, but even that needs updated in perfect timing with the conference realignment. We can yeah. knock off a couple plaques out there and throw those away and maybe, maybe they do nothing with it since there's so much changing teams yeah. out there, which would be okay yeah, with feels me. Like, yeah. Feels and like it'd be a waste of money to make stuff for whatever schools are going to be in the I, big 12 i've always know what... side side tangent here i've always never been a fan of that having yeah. conference teams like logos around your campus and arenas and stuff like yeah who why <laughs> remember there was that old one by the old uh the old the southwest old... conference by the engineering yeah key? apparently that's engineering in... key and the old uh um they kept that uh, and it's it... in somewhere it's in another Did building they... One of those uh, engineering yeah. buildings, I think. Why can't I think of the building there? It was the old pool was there. It was an old kinesiology or ESS building. Yeah, it was right outside there. I really want to go throw back. It's, it was the men's gym. <laughs> yeah. I hated seeing that shit there. I don't like those teams. I don't want to see them every time yeah. walking to the stadium. Um, I hope so. with, with, you know, his, his – uh, Cody Campbell's, you know, he's going to have his hand in a lot of these what we want to do detail-wise, you know. And hopefully he says, I don't want any other team's logos in any part yeah. of this. It honestly just doesn't make sense to do it anymore because in two years, the conference could be completely different. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, who knows? Don't waste the money on that. Spend all that money on, you know, making it as nice as possible. Texas Tech, double T's everywhere. <laughs> um, but definitely really exciting to see. Uh, we kind of mentioned it there with, like, we don't know what the Big 12 is going to look like. We're still really unsure what the future looks like for the Big 12. So we're not going to dive too deep into conference realignment uh, right now because everything's pretty quiet. It looks like the Pac-12 yeah. might stand pat. Big 12 still trying to get new members. So all of that is still very much alive and still being discussed. But right now there's just not really enough information to talk about it. So... Um, we'll just kind of move on. Dustin, you have any final shots for us this week? Just get your TBT shirts ready. We got another about week into next week when TBT starts. So the Air Raiders face off against the Stillwater team on Thursday or Friday afternoon of next week. Can't wait. July 22nd at 3 p.m. They announced the time there. Uh, mine will go back to Summer League. Mac McClung has been putting in work. Uh, for the yeah. Golden State Warriors summer league team, they're playing really good. Of course, the uh, NBA champions who have a lot of young talent who are getting to play like Moses Moody uh, could have been a Red Raider and Jonathan Kaminga and uh, some other players on that squad. But Mac is uh, holding it down, putting up some pretty good numbers, having highlight reel plays every single night seemingly. So uh, it's been fun to watch him have some success this year in the summer league. Uh, hopefully he's able to parlay that into some sort of NBA contract for who knows what team. Um, we don't even know how he got to be able to play for the Warriors. It just kind of popped up one day that he's going to be playing for the Warriors. Uh, um, I don't know if the Lakers still have the rights to him or, or what's going on there, but uh, happy for him to have some success. He, apparently from people out at the Summer League is he has been one of the main attractions of Summer League. Like people are literally going – not to see the other Warrior players, but to see uh, Mac McClung play. So, um, so shout out to him for uh, keeping it, keeping those fans entertained. You got anything else for us, Dustin? Actually, yeah, I just came across my timeline that Red Raider legend Tommy McVeigh will be inducted into the 
Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech Football Hall of Honor. So that's awesome. You know him. He was like a yeah. I don't do it all coach for us and for a long, long time and always wore the cool sunglasses and the slick back hair. So good for him. Um, you know, keep his legend of on the sideline living. Be one of those guys who kind of forever lives on in this program will always be remembered by a lot of the teams, uh, the coaches, the players who are around him. So uh, cool to see his legacy uh, live on like that. But that's all we've got for you guys this week. At Tailgate Talks, hope y'all enjoyed the interview with BYU Locked On Cougars podcast. Next week, we hopefully bring you guys an interview with a Cincinnati podcast to be determined on uh, who's going to be representing Cincinnati at this time. But we'll try to get that done for you guys. Uh, but ultimately, to catch that, you got to make sure you are following Tailgate Talks on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you are rating the tailgate and reviewing the tailgate. Also, follow us on social media. Follow our Twitter at tailgate underscore talks to keep up with all we're posting and doing uh, on Twitter. Also, follow our Facebook. Also, follow our Instagram. And make sure you are following our YouTube to catch the full-length interview uh, from this week's episode. So, uh, with all that said, guys, that'll do it for this week. And as always, we will catch you all at the next tailgate.